Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Start the show! It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 189. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And my goodness, what a show we have for you this week. I love it when people are willing to get thoroughly real with me. And today, I've got Justin Thompson. And I've known Justin for a few years now. He is a good friend of my wife. And we talk about that a little bit. He's known her since middle school. They've been pals for a long time. I tell this story, or or rather, I prompt him to tell this story about how they went and saw The Cure at McNichols Arena back in the 90s. And apparently Robert Smith was wearing an avalanche jersey, which is not something I can picture Robert Smith doing ever. But here's the thing about Justin. Justin used to be in the drag community. He used to be a drag queen and a fairly prominent one. He tells me he made his living doing this. I didn't know that was possible. Just for someone living in Denver, I didn't know that that could be your primary vocation and you could support yourself doing that. But he did, very successfully. He was in New York, he was in Denver, and during that time, he also worked in the food industry. So there's a lot of good anecdotes about working in food here. So he's worked in bakeries, he's worked in restaurants, he's worked with suppliers and all sorts of people. And so we cover both topics in pretty good depth. I mean, as much depth as you possibly can in like 45 minutes. And here's some connective tissue to it. Justin also had weight loss surgery. He tells me at one point he weighed 552 pounds and he is down 257 pounds now, which is a remarkable achievement, but it didn't come easy. Not an easy thing to lose that much weight, even if you have the weight loss surgery. He tells me some people think weight loss surgery is an easy way out. Nothing could be further from the truth, and I especially believe that after Justin came over, we had dinner together, and we recorded this episode, so it was nice to reconnect with him, and it was great that he was willing to go on mic with me and share some of the challenges and some of the difficulties and some of the interesting points about weight loss surgery. The fact that he was willing to be so candid and so raw with me just means the world to me. That's what makes these shows go. I can't do this on my own. I need people who are willing to share and the fact that he was willing to do so is just uh, what a treat, what a thrill, what a privilege. So we'll get to the show here in just a second. I'd like to give a shout to the Denver Podcast Network, just producing fantastic shows across the board. J.D. Lopez, whose promo you heard at the beginning of this week's episode, recently did a walk around at the High Plains Comedy Festival doing a lightning round. And he talked to prominent comedians from all across the country and just asked them whatever question they drew at random. I mean, what a fun premise. Changing Denver just wrapped up. It's Rocky Flats season. That is one of my favorite pieces of audio I've heard in a long time. 
Paul does an amazing job of taking an insanely complex topic and getting into it, going deep, going deeper than any piece I've ever seen about Rocky Flats go. And he even arrives at a conclusion, which a lot of these pieces that you'll read about Rocky Flats will be like, well, some of these people say it's safe and some of these people don't. And well, I guess debate still exists. That's not good enough for Paul. So he digs in pretty deep to that. You can find all the shows on the Denver Podcast Network at this simple address, denverpodcast.net. Check out brand new shows, something you haven't heard before. There's something for everyone there. There's work, there's comedy, there's movies, there's pizza, there's history, all sorts of stuff. You're going to love it, denverpodcast.net. Now then, let's get to this week's episode. It is episode 189. We talk about what it's like to work in the food industry. We talk about drag culture, and we talk about weight loss surgery. Three very, very interesting topics, all for the price of one, which is free. And it comes to you right now. Justin Thompson, episode 189, starts right now. There's not this hierarchy anymore like there used to be, which it's funny to see that because there's still this like these old school people that think that way. Right. Well, when you say hierarchy, like, what do you mean? I mean, it, it's because it, it, there was just like these subsects of drag queens. Like, there's these drag queens that were paid gig performers. That, like, okay. Every Friday, every Saturday, they had a cabaret show and, like, they did this act and they did high glam drag. But then you have the ones that, like, did drag and just went to the bar. Okay. But then you have some that are involved with these things called the Imperial court, which they raise money for charities, Okay, but they have emperors and empresses and princess. Right. Like it's this whole, I mean, it's, that sounds wild. An enigma within an enigma, like a riddle wrapped in within a riddle within the, <laughs> inside an enigma inside yeah. a mystery. Yeah, it is. Wow. With, what's that song? Like a wheel within a wheel with a, do you know that song? I don't think so. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> crazy though. It's so how deep were you in this then? Pretty deep. Okay. Was this like in New York? New York, I mean, the court is international. They have, okay. LA is, they had a queen mother um, who's now passed away, but she started the court system, but she was in San Francisco, but it's, I mean, they have New York, they have, almost every state has a court system. Okay. We have two in Colorado. Um, it's almost like the Catholic Church, and like, it's like it the is. perfect opposite I mean, of the Catholic it Church, is. right? They have, can- and there's Canada, there's Mexico. Wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's. Legit. And like, they have voting. You run for an emperor and an empress. They, they vote. Jeez. You pick a, a court. So you have a princess and like everything. It's, what? Were you in a court? Mm-hmm. Oh, what? How high did you ascend? Not very high. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was. I've, I mean, I've, I have, I have titles. I have, I've, I've been a command performer where like the, uh, the emperor and the empress command you to perform it. Their coronation, which is their after a year, they step down. And okay. They call it a coronation. I've done that. I've, wow. Yeah, it's that sounds wild. It's crazy. I mean, this, this is like getting to peer through the keyhole of something it's, that I would never know existed. No, I I, lo- I don't think a lot of people do, and it's crazy. And I, I I think now though, like with RuPaul's Drag Race, I think it it shows a a very small portion of drag. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I definitely like, I love that RuPaul's Drag Race has created this completely different light of what drag is. But yeah, and it's like kicked it into the mainstream. It's, it's It has. It's demystified it and made it a little less scary to the outside observer. Is it, that fair? 
Oh, 100% fair, okay. but it's also, um, it's made it super attainable for everybody okay. where people think it's, it's so easy to do and it's not, it really isn't, it's not easy. It's hard. It is. It's hard. Okay. So this is Justin Thompson and you are a pal of my wife. You guys go back to high school. Yeah. I mean, uh, middle school, high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even further back, I know the the first story I think my my wife told me was you all like smoking cigarettes and going to the Cure concert. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, in the 90s? Yeah. I got the brilliant idea to buy a pair of Doc Martin combat boots and spray paint them silver just for that concert. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. How was that show? Pretty amazing. Yeah, I bet the Cure in concert is badass. It was. The only thing, honestly, the only thing that was disappointing was he wore an Avs jersey. <laughs> which, I mean, that's so not... Robert Cure. Smith was... Yeah, <laughs> he wore an Avs jersey. <laughs> that's too weird. Yeah. I can't picture Robert Smith wearing a jersey of any team. He did. And an that's, like, so jersey. pandering, too. I know. Wild. But it was good. We okay. had, we had like amazing floor seats. It was, it was great. We had fun. That sounds awesome. Yeah. But so we're talking obviously about drag and you were in the scene. How long were you in it? Um, I started when I was 19 years old. Okay. And how did you get into it and why? <laughs> how I got into it was funny. I met this guy who was so flamboyant yeah. and he came up to me and he was like, girl, you're a big boy. You should do drag. And I was like, what? Where what does were that you? Mean? Where, like just off the street or how did Yeah, you know? I was in college. Okay. In New York, in college, and this guy just told me, Hey and I was like, Okay. And he was like, My name's Arbernique Rouchet. Wow. And let me tell you, this was a white boy. Uh huh. <laughs> a white boy named Arbernique Rouchet. Bold move. Yeah. So we went to a bar called The Cock. Okay. <laughs> which to this day, it's still one of my favorite bars, but it's mm. a shady, shady little bar. What hood is it in? Uh, second is Avenue A. It's it's okay. uh, it's shady. Okay, gotcha. It's a, it's a great. But um, I uh, bought a shake and go. They call shake and go wigs. So it's the drag queen term for a wig that you just take out of a bag. You shake it. You shake put it, it on. Okay. Shake and go wig. I blonde. Put that on with some terrible dress from the dress barn. <laughs> from and, the uh, dress barn. Yeah, and we met this guy that. Abernique, um knew who his name is now Crystal, by the way. But um, okay. he told me that his friend Hunter was a backup dancer for Janet Jackson. Mm. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> not quite. But um, Hunter did my makeup, and I just remember it was red liquid eyeshadow mm. and gold liquid eyeshadow, no base, no powder, and pink lipstick. Okay, and I'm ass- I'm assuming you were clean shaven at the time. I was. Okay. And um, I I was trying to think of a name, and I love the movie Belle de Jour. Mm. It's a French movie. I love it. You haven't seen it? I recommend it. It's a great okay. movie. So I wanted to do Belle, but I also love Stevie Nicks. I like. I I swear Stevie Nicks is my spirit animal. <laughs> awesome. Good, um, good spirit animal. Yeah, and she has a song called Belladonna. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, maybe I'll do Belladonna. So I started with Belladonna. Through Abernique, I started meeting other drag queens. And when you say, like, you just sort of, you got this dress from the dress bar and you got a shake and go wig, you got your makeup, is this just, like, for you to hang out in? Or, like, yeah, just, just to go, just to okay. go to the bar. And how did that feel the first time? Were you like, yeah, this is, I'm into this, like, I feel good? Or was it, like, off putting? I mean, it, it, coming from Colorado 
and coming from Castle Rock. <laughs> a little bit conservative. Yeah. yeah, I felt like at any moment God was going to strike me down. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I definitely felt like I was able to put on a mask and nobody would know who I was. Oh, interesting. And I was, I was right. definitely changing. I was able to be something that I couldn't be as Justin. So it's great. Were you, I mean, were you fairly at ease? Did you affect a persona? Not at first. I mean, I definitely like, I couldn't walk in heels. I couldn't, it was pretty bad. Okay. I definitely was a man in a dress. (laughs) There was no question about that. All right. I gotcha. But I mean, I, I had an aunt that she worked for Mac makeup. Um, so I, I watched her, I, I'd watch her do people's makeup and I just started learning that. And then, um, just being in New York, watching the women and watching the women on fifth Avenue and all of that. I just started learning and I've always loved fashion. So I just started developing who I thought if I was a woman mm. who I'd be. And I mean, I think people, even gay people assume, but definitely the straight community think people who do, do drag is because they want to be a woman. Right. And that's definitely not the case. It's, Drag are gay men that do it for fun. Okay. Strictly for fun. It's not sexual. It's not anything of that nature. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's just, it's, it, it's a chance to not even, well, probably affect a persona. It, I, I, it definitely, for me, that's what it became. It became, I mean, I, I was a big boy and, and unfortunately, like anything in the gay community, it's it looks are everything. Right. Okay. So being a bigger guy, it definitely, um. I was judged, and when I was Bella, and I was beautiful, I could command a room. I could walk in, and mm. the crowd stopped. People moved for me. I got what I wanted. Oh, interesting. And I loved that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's got to be very alluring, very it was. intoxicating. It was. So, You told me a story once about Bella's thing, where Bella would go to the bar. <laughs> God. Yeah. I, we were drinking one time. Yeah. And you told me this. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah, I just, um, I mean, I'd go to the bar and just people would start talking to me and they'd be ordering a drink and I would either just tell the bartender what I wanted and look at them and tell them they were going to pay for my drink (laughs) or I would grab the cash out of their hand and pay for my drink with their cash or add my drink to their tab. Yeah. You told me what, and the thing that killed me was you take the cash out of their hand, like part of it mm-hmm. you'd be like you bought this drink and then you'd take the rest yeah and go and, and, and my next my round too yeah and i'd say that's my tip thanks <laughs> yeah wow so how much of a departure was this for you from who you used to be or like before you found this persona like, uh, were you shy were you reserved were you I'm, uh, i mean I, I was always funny i think with my close group of friends uh-huh. but definitely reserved outside mm. of that so it's very much different and it in my boy life, if you will, it was very different. I okay. would never, ever be like Bella and be boisterous and say the things, like the off-the-wall things and do the things I did. I would never, right. ever. So, Because, I mean, that's that's a bold, bold move going up. And- well, I, I mean, I always told people, too, like my friends would be like, Bella, and be like, they're never going to hit a lady. <laughs> and they wouldn't. And honestly, the thing is, too, is like, it's funny because I think people, they would try to pull your wig off. Uh-huh. And that's like a huge insult to a drag queen. Oh, well, I was smart okay. enough to pin my wigs in. So I'd be like, let him pull my wig off there. Good luck. Yeah, let's let's see it. But also, I mean, being a bigger guy and being tall. Oh, yeah, you can handle yeah, yourself. They didn't. Nothing really happened. Yeah, so. no no one messed with you? No. 
my whole world is warped by loving professional wrestling for as long as I have. In Mexican wrestling, the biggest insult is pulling a guy's mask off because, and, and it's the way you're describing it to me. I relate to it because, you know, that's who they are. That's, that's their entire persona. And if you pull the mask off, then all of a sudden you see what's revealed underneath. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, you've, you've, just then essentially ruined. Yeah. I mean, that's like RuPaul up until almost the show when she would go for a sound check before her show, Mm -hmm. only the sound guy could be there. Nobody else. Everybody else had to be away because the mystique. Yeah. You you didn't want to ruin it. Yeah. Wow. So, and it's funny. I mean, there's, there's a couple drag Queens still that people don't know what they look like as boys really when they go out and, it's just, it's funny because you'll be like, well, that's whoever. And they're like, no way. And it's like, yeah, that's. That's got to be great for them, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely. I mean. I mean, because like, and, and again, if you're like uh, one of these wrestlers, then you can go to the grocery store. You can go to, I mean, yeah. if you're famous and like you're famous for drag. Right. It's kind of like uh, I saw Dame Edna. Yeah. Um, and so the, let me just clarify something up front for anyone who has more familiarity with drag. I'm not going to equip myself all that well here because my knowledge of it extends to about the birdcage, right? Yeah. Eddie Izzard and Dame Edna. Right. And that's – and RuPaul, of course. And that's about it. So I put that qualifier right near the front here just so you know where we're coming from. Okay. That's got to be very liberating because the the public sees you – like I don't know what Dame Edna looks like. I don't think really any – but he does. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm sure it might have been. There might have been a picture of Damon, uh, like dressed right. normally. Right. I mean, uh, it's kind of like in divine, the program, but right. I think people don't really know what divines look like. Mm. I don't. I don't think divine was in that John Waters movie, right? Yeah, divine. He was. I, divine was kind of his muse. That's right. I think divine. Yeah. The uh, in the end of Pink Flamingos. Yeah. Not always fun to watch. No. Um. That's pretty. And hairspray. Oh yeah, hairspray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then there's Hairspray, which John Travolta did that weird job. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so... I mean, John Travolta's a whole nother <laughs> ball of wax. Yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, so as Bella, mm-hmm. was this a thing... Like, and I, I mentioned Damon and Eddie Izzard and the Birdcage, mm-hmm. because when you think of drag, you think of performance, right? right. Like getting up, doing a stage show, right. doing some sort of like comedy or mm-hmm. musical or burlesque or whatever. Right. Did you do anything like that? I did. I did. Um, I did shows. I did numbers. And for me, I definitely like. I never wanted to do share or anything like that because, right? One, I don't look like those people. Two, nobody wants to see my fat ass dancing to Madonna. So <laughs> right. I, I did comedy. Um, and I've always loved music from the forties, fifties, and sixties. So I did a lot of stuff like that. Um, I did a comedian named Toadie Fields. Okay. From the 60s and 70s, who um, she was a, a chubbier um, Jewish comedian, and she just she's hilarious. And she just had this image. She wore like baby doll dresses with bloomers. So I, I did that a lot. Or um, I would do like Betty Hutton, who did like comedic numbers from the 40s, things okay. like that. Definitely high energy, but where you were more exaggerated. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I, I don't like the ballads. I don't like. There's there, there's all these terms like there's ballad queens, there's the disco queens, stuff like that. That was none of my. I hated when 
I'd be asked to do that stuff. I would do it, but I hated it. Okay, take me through some of the the subgenres here. I mean, we're deep down the rabbit okay. hole. So, like, point. a ballad queen is essentially those are the queens that do Celine Dion. Okay, and you just stand there with a lot of arms outstretched movements right. and like dramatic, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, very dramatic. And okay. that's when generally I would go to the bar and get a drink. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so. And like disco queens, those are the ones you know that do like '70s stuff. Just yeah, like Gloria Gaynor, yeah, and Anita Hill, that kind of thing. Yeah, and generally they do Gloria Gaynor. Yeah, of every course. time, <laughs> every single time, and they don't know the words. Okay, and that's one of my biggest biggest pet peeves is like a queen that doesn't know her words. Yeah, and it's I would rather see a drag queen stand there and not move and know every word than yeah dance around and not know her words at all and i know like if you watch rupaul's drag race there's been a few queens that haven't known their words like valentina recently who didn't know her words ah the queen was flawless looking but didn't know her words and it's just that's one of my biggest pet peeves and it just it's hilarious to me yeah because there's a drag queen that i know that does i she's a disco queen and she does um i love the nightlife oh yeah i've seen her do it about 735 times (laughs) Not to put too fine a point on it. No, 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 no. But she still doesn't know the words. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. I mean, come on. No, exactly. At, at this point. You should know the words. Yeah. You should wake up knowing the words. You should go to bed knowing the words. Yeah. She doesn't know the words. Wow. Get a hold of your life here, yeah. Mariani. I'm exactly. Yeah. Who is she? <laughs> but, a little running gag from dinner. <laughs> yeah. But um. so, yeah, that that's what I did. And I mean, I just, I, I want to make people laugh. Yeah. Especially, well, you're bringing joy to people, ex- essentially. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think that's, especially for drag, because I think it is an art. And I mean, I put a lot of effort into it, and I knew I could make a lot of money by making people laugh. Did you make money at this? Yeah. Uh, like a lot of money? Yeah. Wow. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, no so, kidding. Hi, and so how long were you at it? Um, I started when I was 19 and ended when I was 30. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a decade run. Yeah. Wow. Well done. Thank you. And so was this New York primarily? Uh, a little bit there than here. I moved okay. back here. And when I moved back here, I started getting more involved in the charity aspect of it. There's a bunch of different organizations here that raise money. Initially, I got involved with um, the Imperial Court of the Rocky Mountain Empire, which is a subsect of the international court system. Wow. Fantastic. I know. It's... It's bananas, but... Um, as, as someone who's hearing it for the first time, yeah. it sounds exceptional. It is. It's, you know... it. And I'm not being coy. I'm not no, trying to be coy no. or... It, it, it really is. They they have raised hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for charities. They're, they try to outbeat each other every year. Each rain, they call it oh, a rain. Yeah. They try to beat, eat, outbeat each other every year. And I just have to do a side note. My year... For one of the shows I did, we raised the most money they've ever raised. Nice. Well done. the charity I did. But that was something I really, I mean, I really liked because I I saw the money we were raising actually go to good things. But it became really crazy being a part of the court system because it it becomes a competition. And that I just, I just wanted to have fun. Yeah. And that's when it just got a little bit old for me. And then. um, Well, and you'd been at it for a while. Right. And then that's when drag, like RuPaul had started and was going into about the third season and it just, it, it had changed mm. where I think at that point of no fault of like RuPaul's drag race at all, but it's just, everybody thought they could do it. Yeah. And they thought it was so simple and so easy. And it's like, 
I was just like, you know, this isn't for me. This isn't my gig anymore. And it's, it's, it's hard too. It's hard to try to date somebody. Um, I, I mean, most gay men don't want to date a drag queen. Oh, why is that? I mean, most gay men are gay because they like men. No, oh, sure. Yeah. Not, I'm, a man in a dress, you know? Well, and yeah, that, that's that's an answer that seems like it should be self-evident. But right. until you said it, I go, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Well, and I mean, it's definitely hard. It's, I mean, you are sometimes five nights a week in drag. And, yeah. I mean, that is that is your life. And you're at a bar. You're drinking. You're... Yeah. It's, you know, I think trust issues happen Drugs get involved, drinking gets involved. It's well, it can be the perfect storm. Well, any scene where it's sort of centered around uh, socializing and having a good time and partying and putting on a show. Right. I mean, when I interviewed uh, Vinny from Less Than Jake, he talked about you know you're on the road constantly, right? And there's always temptation to party, but you're like, no, I got another show to do, yeah. and there are times where you got to dial it back. Yeah. And once you get into the mode, it it can be hard. Yeah. Do you ever miss it? Um, I mean, sometimes I do. I definitely, I just, I've changed my life completely. Okay. I'm a, I'm, I'm a whole new girl now. I say, <laughs> I like, I don't really drink anymore. I don't go out that much anymore. I definitely have looked at life differently. I'm healthier now. Why? What facilitated that change? Um, for me, it was my brother committed suicide a couple of years ago. And for that, it was like, it was a huge realization. Um, I was at my parents' house when the police called and I just saw what that did to them. Yeah. And I just, I was 552 pounds and I was like, you know, oh my. they're going to get another phone call. Oh, wow. If okay. I don't do something. So, I mean, I, I did and I decided, you know, I, I need to lose weight. I need to quit drinking. I need to fix all of this. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. And so how much are you down then? <laughs> well, right now, uh, 257 pounds. Well, nice. But I'm trying to, trying to lose at least another 30 or 40. Dude, that's, that's massive. Thank you. I mean, you. that. Two, that that's I mean that's a whole person. It is, and that's, and that's a big person. Yeah, or that's like a whole family in like Japan, <laughs> right? So, a small to medium sized Asian family. Yeah, exactly. And wow, that's uh, what what was that journey like? And so you you make this decision. What was the first step? I mean, the first step I think was realizing uh, my triggers and what like why I overeat, why like what this all was about. And I started seeing a counselor and I mean, there's just so many things that caused all this, just sure, yeah. um, things that happened in my childhood, things like that. And then I met with a doctor and I, for me, I did have weight loss surgery. I think a lot of people think that's the easy way out. Uh, I will no, tell I you it is, it is one of the hardest things I've ever done and it's not been easy. And every day I, Deal with it. Well, it's, well, for anyone who thinks it's easy, yeah, tell me why it's not. Um, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I had to lose fifty pounds before they would even consider me having the surgery. Oh wow! Um, which that's hard when mm -hmm. you're eating a bunch of crap every freaking day. Yeah, and I mean that's like ten percent of your body weight at mm -hmm. that point. Yeah, I mean if if you if you ask anyone like. As someone who's 150 pounds, like, yeah. go, just go lose 15 pounds. Right. Like that's plenty, like 10% a lot. Yeah. And then, um, with the doctor I chose and went to, he's one of the best doctors you can have for bariatric surgery, but he's one of the hardest. He's one of the most regimented mm. and I had to go to the gym. I had to work out. I had to meet all these requirements and, um, that was really hard. I mean, I, I never went to the gym. Oh, I, really? like the gym, never to me was 
heels running around. <laughs> I mean, I can say I was able to run up and down Colfax in five inch heels. Okay. But. Dude, that's not nothing. No. But, um, so, I mean, I did that. And then after the surgery, it's, a lot of people don't tell you the, the effects that it has on your body. You mm. lose your hair. You throw up if you eat even like a spoonful too much of food. But then Jeez. you have stomach issues. You have bowel issues oh, things wow. like that and it's but it also screws with your mind really and it's and those are things i'm still dealing with like it's hard to see myself how i look now as opposed to how i used to look and mm. things like that but when you say it screws with your mind what do you mean um i mean i still see myself as 552 pounds oh, so i yeah. don't understand that i'm not that way so i still um like i, I still see myself as that fat guy yeah and like it's just it's different well so, i i I mean, I lost at one point forty pounds, so I was down. I was up at two twenty five, and I lost forty pounds. So I mean, that's almost twenty percent of my body yeah. weight. And I realized after doing that, the hard thing for me was you'll never escape the fat ass of your mind's eye. No, like never. No, no, um, n- no matter how skinny you get, and I like. I think everyone to a certain extent has a little bit of body dysmorphia. Yeah. And and some people more than others. Yeah. Uh, some people it gets to a very, very unhealthy level. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And maybe a little bit of that is healthy because it'll keep you motivated. Like just a very yeah. mild amount. Right. You go – like you'll get on – you'll look in the mirror and I found this with everyone. They look in the mirror and they focus on their worst part mm-hmm. always. Right. right. And so, I mean – for you, having lost, what was it, 225 pounds? 257, 257, sir. good God. <laughs> I was way off. I apologize. No, no. And uh, that's a remarkable amount of weight. So I, I can't imagine what it must be like to try and live in this brand new body when previously you were living in, in the old one. Right. No, I mean, it's it's a, it's like I'm, it's a new person. It definitely yeah. is. It's, I mean... I have a new found love for the gym. Yeah. Like I told you, like yeah. I do. I feel like a meathead. I do. Like it's You're total gym rat. I do. I love it. What do you do at the gym? Like what's your regimen? Well, I have leg day. Okay. Um, hey, I've, don't skip leg day. No. Oh God, no. And it's funny. Like <laughs> I love it. Cause there's like guys that just like they do upper body and I get next to them and I'm like doing 450 pounds for legs. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, this is how you do it, dude. <laughs> But no, like I, I mean, I do leg day, and of course I do chest, arms, upper sure. body. So it's like core. weight training. Yeah, I do weight training, but I do core, like cardio, all of it. I have a trainer too. Okay, nice. So, but no, it's like, you know, once I get to that point, I can have skin removal surgery, stuff like that. And mm. so that's the thing why I say where people think it's the easy way out. It's definitely not. Like, I have these goals, but I have to keep working and working and working. It's not like you have the surgery, you're skinny. No, it's Bob's your uncle. Problem solved. Exactly. No, it's it's a lifetime thing. You have to. It's a constant fight, huh? It is, and that I mean that's the thing is that there's this drag queen that I am friends with that thinks it's an easy way out, and mm. um, she I keep telling her I'm like it's not, it's not at all, and I sent her to my doctor, and same thing, and he was like you need to lose this amount of weight, and she gained 15 pounds. Oh, jeez. And like, um, I'd gone to a drag show a couple months ago with my, um, boyfriend and she was laughing about how a couple of the guys at Grubhub have the security code to, um, her building to come in. And I was just like, 
that's not Jackie. That's not funny. That's I was, yeah. That's... I was like, that's that's the problem. And I was like, you know, as a sister, that's a sickness. Like I'm telling you, I I know full well. Nicolos came to my house three days a week. Wow. I was like, I'm telling you. So yeah. I mean, dude, that's tough. It is. Well, and it's, this. I mean, this seems like a good point to transition into what your work is now. Yeah, food, <laughs> so, food. It's, I mean, you're describing all this to me, and I'm like, wow. And and the fact that you still work like currently mm-hmm. in a bakery, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you're you're around all this all day. Is that challenging, or or do you go like, can you put up a, almost like a firewall? I mean, you do. Luckily. <laughs> I guess an advantage of the surgery I did have, I have a little bit of a sugar intolerance. Oh, wow. All right. So if I eat too much sugar, I will throw up. Oh, geez. Okay. So, I mean, it's a win-win. Yeah. You you throw up, you lose a bit of weight, whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, the position I'm in being uh, doing recipe development, buying, things like that, I am not constantly baking as much as I used to. But um, I do. If I meet with people, vendors or people that are trying to sell me their products – I'm completely honest with them and I tell them I will chew your, I will eat your product. I will not swallow it. I will be spitting it out. Hmm. And if they give me a look, I explain to them why. Yeah. Please don't be offended. No. And I explain to it. Yeah. This is not commentary. No. But I mean, there are times where I do eat some of the stuff. Sure. Because the company I work for, we source some of the best products you can get. Mm, Yeah. Some incredible chocolate. I will go down on that chocolate. <laughs> I will make love to that chocolate. It's so good. And I'll admit that. Like when if I make ganache, you're going to push up on that yeah, chocolate. <laughs> if I make that ganache, I will definitely eat a couple spoonfuls of gotcha. it. Gotcha. But I mean, it's also all in moderation and it's like I hate the word cheat day. I hate that word so mm, much. Yeah. That cuz I mean, truly, I, we're not doing anything bad by cheating is bad. Yeah. No. For me, it's like if I'm going to eat ganache, then I'm going to do an extra 25 minutes on the treadmill or whatever. Right. And that's so. that's the thing that people don't realize with weight loss. It's not all or nothing. It no. never is. No. So like when I lost that 40 pounds the first time, I'm like, okay, you know what? This weekend, like we went to Austin in mm-hmm. the middle of it and I was halfway through it. I'd lost 20. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go down there and I'm going to eat the barbecue and I'm going to eat the Mexican food and we're going to drink beer. It's going to be great. Right. And then- each day is a new day. Right. Or even just you're you're indulging in this meal. Get back on the horse the next meal. You absolutely. don't even have to wait till the next no, day. No, absolutely. That's how I view it. I mean, I always say this. It's from Anne of Green Gables, the book. But it's like tomorrow's a new day with no mistakes in it. Almost. And it's mm. true. Like tomorrow's a new day with no mistakes in it. Almost. And that's how I view it. It's like if I eat some crap I probably shouldn't have. Then I'll have a protein shake the next day for breakfast or whatever the case may be. I'll yeah. work a little bit harder. Or eat some damn kale or yeah. what, like whatever it I'll is. See if I love kale. So I'm cool well, with that. You but know yeah, what I mean. exactly. No, exactly. Or like kale gets a do, bad rap. Yeah. And I'll do do some more weights, whatever. Yeah. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. Like it, it's a again, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It is. So it really is. You've been in food for a long time. You've mm-hmm. been a baker. What what else have you done? Um, I mean, God I've I grew up in the food industry. My grandfather was a VP for Cisco. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I, I grew up doing this. I Since I've been little, we've gone out to eat all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's probably where oh, yeah, that's... I became the little engine that could eat anything in sight. So. Well, and, I mean, you had access to it, right? Yeah. And... and, I mean, with him being 
vice president of a company, it was, we went to the best places you could go. And sure. It, I mean, it was VIP treatment and everything, but. I read the same thing about Chris Farley. Yeah. His dad was like this traveling salesman all throughout the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So every night on the road, you know, it was like wine and steaks yeah. and dessert because yeah. you're, you're dealing with clients yeah and clients don't always get to go out so they want to go to the nice place but yeah when you are the salesperson you're doing it every single yeah. night yeah um and so like that that started him too mm-hmm. just you have access and it's a certain lifestyle and at a certain point you just don't know any different no a hundred like when i went to college i mean going from colorado to new york i don't really know anybody where did you go to college first i went to nyu then i went okay. upstate but I mean, I go to Connor School for college. Oh yeah. I mean, and the food's amazing. But all I did was eat and eat yeah. and eat and eat. But and then in New York, oh yeah, food's everywhere. It's right it's at your fingertips, and, and and everything is great from the street is. food all the way up to like the uh, Michelin stars. When street meat, that's still the best meat you can get. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> I love street meat. But and then did France for a while. Worked in some restaurants there. Oh, what was that like? I, oh God, I worked for a Swiss chef uh-huh. who spoke only French. Oh my. Yeah. And um, if you were late, he would give you a case of onions and you had to chop them. Okay. So I was never late. Yeah. That was not great, I will say. It, I learned a lot. I remember there was a dishwasher that was a pompous asshole. But, the um, dishwasher was. Oh yeah, he was such an asshole. He <laughs> like he was really good looking, and he smoked a ton of cigarettes, and uh, probably screwed every, men, women, every, whoever. Yeah, and, anything that moved. Exactly. Yeah. But um, they had to keep buying pots and pans, and they couldn't understand why. And they figured out he was throwing them into the river because they didn't want to wash them. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing. But I just remember. Um, that's we, one way to solve a problem. Yeah, but we the like. Bakery part was upstairs. This, this restaurant was super old and the bakery part was like upstairs in this old ass kitchen. And we would have to like make everything by hand and it was so hot. And they just had these little windows that would crack open and you could just feel the sweat like dripping down just, your back. Down yeah. But it was, it was great. It, but I mean, I did that. I love that. And those experiences were amazing. And I learned that's where I really started developing a love for other cultures of food other mm. other than american food i think especially in colorado in the 80s and 90s oh, there was no such thing as diversified food really uh, no it was and my parents came from chicago they used to complain about it all the time mm-hmm. oh, chicago's yeah. amazing food scene oh yeah and... which is i think it's so funny i was just talking to my boyfriend about this how like chicago's such a a midwest yeah like you would never think chicago's this like hub of anything being where it's at but it is like it's it totally such an amazing is. place and, and, and it's so funny to me and there's so many like communities in there there's like sweet there's like a yeah. whole swedish like anderson yeah and then there's like amazing polish food when the, they have a huge czech community there too yeah don't they? yeah so i mean it, it it's like everyone from all over europe and then yeah. there's there's people from asia and africa yeah and so you can go almost anywhere in that city and find something that's really authentic and yeah. really unique and really weird too, which is cool. Right. We're getting, we are, we're getting there. I think it's, yeah. it's definitely so much different than what it used to be here, but. Well, yeah. Having grown up here. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was. <laughs> it used to be yeah. pretty rough around here. I mean, Casa Bonita was like, that was real authentic Mexican food, <laughs> which I mean, funny thing. My grandfather helped open Casa Bonita. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Funny. Which 
I mean, now he'd probably be rolling in his grave if he knew how shitty it was. Yeah, but, well, yeah. Like, whatever. You can't win them all, right? No, but it's a fun place to take your kids and then get diarrhea, I guess. <laughs> ah, the diarrhea. Yes. <laughs> but, so, I mean, that was amazing. Like, living in France, of course, you take the channel to London or you totally anywhere. And you just, like, then I come back to Colorado, work in some small restaurants, kind of just float around, do drag. That's... Honestly, I just did drag for a while and hmm. stopped cooking. Yeah. But you could sustain yourself doing drag? Mm-hmm. Wow. I did. It um, was that good a living. Mm-hmm. But crazy. also, I had $425 a month rent. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. It was kind of fun where I lived. In the building I lived, segue to drag really quick. Yeah, um, yeah. It was, there's a drag queen named Nina Montaldo who is one of the most phenomenal drag queens I've ever met in my entire life. Um, Nina is in, she's going to kill me. She's in, she's in her sixties, but, um, (laughs) an incredible life story. She was an orphan. I think my audience will forgive the the disclosure. Uh, she was an orphan, grew up in a, in a, uh, an orphanage with these nuns, but, um, is a survivor list, learned how to scrape by, but started doing drag when she was 16. Wow. Like when it was against the law, like when, you could not be a man dressed as a woman out on the streets. You had to get ready in a in a bar. You had to wear three articles of men's clothing, or you'd be arrested. But when you say three articles of clothing, what, what, men's clothing, so like a jock strap, a, underwear, wow, and maybe like another pair of underwear, like things like seriously? that. Seriously, mm-hmm. and then they would they would strip search you, and, and they would look, they would make they would sure check mm-hmm. you, and you would be arrested. It was. I mean, it's Stonewall, too. Like, the Stonewall riots. Yeah. Like, drag... The first brick thrown was the drag queen. That, oh, okay. And that's... I mean, that's what started this movement, and that's what started gay... Essentially, gay rights and where we are today, which is amazing. And I think a lot of people forget that it it was a man in a dress, you know? Yeah. And it took courage. Yeah. And I just... That I commend, but... Well, and we're at a point now where it's like, you see a man dressed as a woman? Right. Like... In your head, it, it it's 2018. My right. hope is that in your head you go, oh well, who gives a shit? Yeah, you know, like it, I, exactly. My I think when you see a man in a dress that looks f- flawless uh-huh. and beautiful, it is. But when you see a man in a dress that doesn't look great, people make fun. And I'm hoping we yeah. get to the point where they understand that it's a transgendered man, or even if it's a woman that's transgendered into a man now that right. they're a person. And that's what I hope we get to is. People are people, no matter what. I agree but, with you 100%. Yeah, it's just... But anyway, I lived in an apartment building called Montaldo Mansion because Nina was oh, the yeah. apartment man- manager. And there were tons of drag queens that lived there. There was... <laughs> at one point, I think there was eight, nine of us that lived there. Jeez. But once a week, we'd get together for dinner. And so all of us would make something for dinner. And it just... That was amazing. But one drag queen liked to make vindaloo. And she oh, liked wow. to make it as hot as she possibly could and <laughs> thought it was hilarious. But no, those like so those are great memories of like yeah. making food and stuff like that. And then eventually I moved to Boulder and kind of stopped doing drag and thought like I'm gonna be this weird boulderite. And, like <laughs> I don't know. So I started working for um a company there called Alfalfas, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and that's when I was like, I'm going to be GM, GMO free and I'm going to be organic and gluten free. And yeah, that's really expensive and a lot of work, but <laughs> you're going to be this full on crunchy boulderite. Yeah. Yeah. No, not, not so much. Yeah. It was fun for a while, sure. but so I worked for them, um, doing the bakery stuff, 
Loved it. Moved to Denver. I'm at my current job now, which I can't play, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fine. But And started with them managing a bakery and just kind of moved my way up. And then I'm kind of venturing onto a new career path soon. But Well, we'll talk about that another time, yeah. maybe. Because yeah. you told me a little bit about that over yeah. dinner. And that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, and it's, it's a whole like brand new kind of. It is. It is. And, and a departure from what you've done before. Way different. But no, I think as far as like the food scene in Colorado, it's definitely evolving. Oh yeah. It's great. It's, I think what's cool with Colorado is we definitely have four different seasons. Yeah. And I think restaurants are, understanding that now and they're able to to nurture that and utilize it and use it to their benefit with before i think people thought colorado was such as this cow town and like we were it was steak and potatoes it was and like we could be cookie cutter and like just put up a mcdonald's and (laughs) we're good to go (laughs) so and i mean there's so many great like my friend preston owns this place called grind watering hole and Mm -hmm. it's amazing well i think about a place like beast and bottle yeah you know which is doing tremendous work where they'll they'll just buy like a couple of animals a day and then they will butcher the entire thing. So like if it's a pig, it's like, hey, we only have two tenderloins tonight. Yeah. Because there's only two tenderloins. Right. Like there's only two cuts that you can do. Right. And then like they'll get a fish and it's like, okay, what vegetables are in season right now? That's our side dish. Yeah. And you go, wow, that's kind of cool. Like, I mean, it is. I, I, and I, I definitely think as consumers – we should know where our food is coming from. Yeah. We really should. Yeah. I think as consumers, we've become lazy or we were lazy mm-hmm. and I think it's coming back around. It now. is, which is so funny because in Europe, I mean, yeah. they know where their food comes from. <laughs> right. Essentially. And it's like, you know, they, they go to the markets every day. They, where we don't. And I, yeah. I, I think we've lost that. We've, I think the fifties definitely changed revolutionize that i guess is what they want us to think <laughs> sure but you know what i mean it's it's not it's well it's, we sacrificed a lot in the name of convenience we did i think we're getting back to that and i think they're really i think hopefully the industry is realizing that you can be convenient and still have quality healthy yeah i don't know man i feel like we're we're in a better spot and we're going to continue to evolve positively mm-hmm. there's and and that's a note of hope in a time where a lot of people a lot of consternation, a uh, lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. That's my way of saying that, yes, things can be tough and very acrimonious right now, but not everything is bad. No, no. And that that's something that I like to espouse on the show. I mean, I'm not Pollyanna-ish, and I'm not looking to whitewash anything that's no. going on. But there are glimmers of light out there. Oh, there definitely are. I think there's this movie called Mixed Nuts. <laughs> I know that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> but in it, um, Steve Martin says, he's like, in every pothole, there is hope. Huh. And he gives this like acronym, if you will. He's like, if you take away certain letters, you can spell the word hope out of hmm. pothole. Yeah. And I mean, you can. In every pothole, there is hope. And I, I, I mean, I definitely, I, I, I think that's true. And I, I mean, I look at like food-wise too – a lot of families now are doing CSAs, which I think are great. Community-supported agriculture. Oh, yeah. I think that's amazing. It's something I try to get all my friends to do is yeah. join a CSA. Yeah, you end up with a lot of certain things. Mm-hmm, like you, beets, yeah. which I hate. I but, don't like beets either. Uh, Kristen likes them. I know. Um, but as a result of me, like they're never in the house. Um, and it's like, what are we going to do with all these freaking beets? Yeah. Like, 
So anyway, well, I'll tell you what, man, this was an enormous pleasure. I'm so glad <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad you agreed to do this yeah. because we last saw each other at Kristen's high school reunion, yeah. your high school reunion. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. which how was that for you? Good. It good. Yeah. Because you were kind of on the fence about going. Oh, yeah. Too. It was trepidatious. Yeah. Yeah. But Kristen's like, no, John and I will be there. Yeah. And we were. My buffers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, it, I mean, I had a great time there. It was. No, it was really good. Yeah. So it was fun. I And I realized I've interviewed a lot of people's spouses mm-hmm. from her class, but never anyone directly from her class. So you're the first there. Wow. I'm a pioneer, if you will. That's right. Okay. Uh, now's the time on the show when we do plugs. Anything you want to plug, if you have a social media presence, if, I don't know, anything you want to plug, go ahead. I know we're keeping your gig anonymous, so we won't plug that. No. Well, I mean, drag-wise, I'll plug, there's a drag queen named Tammy Brown. Okay. Who's, honestly, she's amazing on Instagram. It's Tammy IE. She's with an Mm IE. Hilarious. But if a podcast that you actually can learn a lot from... That talks about RuPaul's Drag Race. It's called Race Chaser with Alaska and Willem. Okay. Um, but it just, like, they do the backstory about RuPaul's Drag Race, but they also talk a little bit about the culture of drag, things like that. I'll plug them. But as far as food-wise, mm-hmm. I definitely would plug CSAs, any community-supported yeah. agriculture that you can find. Local, anything local you can do, too. Local yeah. restaurants. Local farmers, things like that. Support them. Yeah, totally. I'm with you 100% on that, man. So, Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you have done great work. It was a pleasure getting to hear your story. Oh, it thank was, you. It was a pleasure getting to learn more about drag, too. This whole subculture that I knew existed, but I did not know much about. So thank you for your insight. Know, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. Yeah, thank you. And uh, continued success in your next gig, man. Thank you, sir. And that wraps up episode 189 of the John of All Trades podcast with Justin Thompson. Thank you for hanging out with me. It was lovely to catch up with you, and I'm glad we got to do it on mic. Best to you in your new endeavor, man. I can't wait to hear about it. Maybe we'll come back to another episode because I think this is going to be something really, really cool. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. I do all manner of public engagement, including podcast production. So... If you are looking to reach people in a new way, hit me up, D-E-F-T-C-O-M Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. On the flip side of that, if you need to reach people online, the best way to do it is get in touch with 4Degrees. They can design your campaign, get you the right message, and put it in front of the people who need to see it most at a cost that is very reasonable. Online marketing, social media advertising, website building, all sorts of stuff, all under one house, the number 4 D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is on social media. Check out Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram, all under the same handle, J-O-A-T pod. Facebook's the only place for exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Monday. New episodes go up on Wednesday. They're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come right to you. Give us a five-star rating. That would be aces. And if you have some extra time, write us a review. I'll be back here next week with a brand new episode. So until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak.